stuff that we wrote about earlier last time oh yeah what are we doing again um i think we're doing some kind of a ham radio show uh during coronavirus <laughs> to uh you know stay connected to the universe all right that's okay right that's the title that we picked uh come back a star a movie <laughs> award party Ooh. uh not comb back a star as i incorrectly wrote <laughs> you dummy Home. Okay, so for this first episode, we are going to be covering the. Do you hear something? Thunder or something? Oh, it's a jet plane. That's what it was. Okay, I thought it was going mad. Oh, well, I mean, there's always that possibility too, but. Okay, so we're going to be covering the very first Academy Award winner, Wings. Wings! And, uh,. If you like World War One era biplanes, boy, do I have the movie for you. Yeah, it's kind of just called Wings because the Wings basically get more screen time than any of the humans. And it's impressive. This is true. It is very impressive. Like, I, I did a little research into how they did all that. And apparently... Uh, a lot of it was actually um, Charles Buddy Rogers, who played Jack Powell, had never been in a, you know, a fighter jet before. His co-star Richard Arlen had been and William Wellman, the director, had been and kind of based the movie off his experiences in France. But oh, wow. Buddy Rogers had never been in there. And apparently they had him get in the plane and learn how to do it. They had someone oh behind goodness. him working the controls. But yeah, they'd have him do those crazy dips. And I guess inevitably he'd. He'd land, get out, and vomit, as I would as well. Yeah, those, just watching this movie, those move, those planes were, well, I was about to say no joke, but what was scary is that what an absolute joke that they were. I mean, yeah, they look like something, like a soapbox derby version of, of, of an airplane. Of yeah, an it, airplane. It's like, how? How did those people do what they did? Um, apparently, yeah, the, the cinematographer Harry Perry lashed cameras on to like stunt the stunt planes to kind of get that feeling that you were actually there on the wings. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So, so lots of good special effects. And yeah, about to say like it's definitely one of those uh so even back in 1927 we're talking about big budget special effect movies really having a, an edge mm -hmm. in the Academy Awards. It was the first movie to win best picture and also the first Oscar bait movie, I feel like, because it's a formula that I feel like has been used to win Oscars over and over and over again. Just that heartfelt story with a historical backdrop that mm -hmm. pretty much everyone is on the same page about. America looks great and uh, the bells ring out and... Uh, Alarm clocks go off. <laughs> Alarm clocks go off. <laughs> um, but yeah, and I just feel like it had more... It felt more Hollywood than the other movies we saw. 
Yeah, I can see that. I can see that. Well, before we get too far into it, should we kind of review what the plot was so we can yeah, cl- I mean, clue in the audience just a little bit, I guess? Planes. Planes. So, yeah, the main character is Planes. <laughs> and uh, there's some side stories about their humans who ride in them. Yes, they, they have... <laughs> In each plane's little tummy, there's a there's a human that has its own story. It's real cute. Yeah, so I'm I'm gonna be trying to do this from memory, having I vaguely rewatched it. By which I mean I skipped through a whole bunch of parts. Yeah, if, if I've you, seen it twice now, so I could probably yeah, jump it, into it a little. Yeah, if you take out all the airplane scenes, it's it's about half an hour long. Yeah, I mean and. I think as amazing as the special effects are, we could have cut those in half a bit too, to just kind of speed it along. And, uh, but I mean, the plot that is there is very familiar, I think, Mm -hmm. because it's been used again. War has broken out and a bunch of like really young, really enthusiastic people joined with a bunch of drama they're bringing to it. And one of the big tropes is like the love triangle. Right. So the the movie starts off with uh with Clara Bow and uh what's his name? Uh I had, I had it pulled up. Buddy Rogers is Jack Powell? Yep. With Buddy Rogers is Jack Powell. Oh yeah. Such good yeah. names, man. They I knew know. how to name themselves back then. Gosh. Both of them being kind of manic, stripping down this car and adding, I don't know, new gears to it and everything like that. And by stripping down a car, I mean it's one of those old timey cars where they pretty much it it seems like in the course of a day almost they just completely to remove the body of this car. Well, they, they were kind of made out of Lincoln logs back then. So, I mean, it wasn't too difficult. <laughs> yeah. And, and both of them are just so enthusiastic yes. about this and nothing, nothing bad ain't ever going to happen to them. Oh, they are so like the typical just the American kids next door because they literally are next door. They're, yeah, they're next door to each other. And uh, Clara Bow's character clearly has a, a thing for for the the young buddy. Young I keep buddy. I keep calling them by their actor names. The <laughs> well, young, again, the young yeah. Mary Preston has a thing for Jack Powell. Yep. Yep. And uh, but on the other side of town are the rich folk. Yes, and they're from the town. And this is going to be another trope that comes up in the other movies, at yeah. least for this year, that uh, c- people from town are are fancy and bad. Fancy, bad, and it, I guess countryside, I guess, is what we're going for. Again, the yeah. whole pastoral myth of America uh, trying to appeal probably to everybody makes but, sense. But what's weird is that in this one, at least... They they bring up how she is this kind of she has this what they say is an advantage because she's from the city. She's from the city. And. But then they don't bring it up at all. So it's kind of like you're supposed to not like her because you're supposed to like Mary, uh, the the young manic girl next door. And. uh, What's her name in this movie? Sylvia. Yeah. So the character Sylvia is very ethereal. You see her and she's swinging on a swing with the person that she actually loves, which is uh, his name is David Armstrong is the character's name played by Richard Arlen. Mm-hmm. And you're supposed to, I guess, not like her because you're supposed to like Mary with that statement of her being from the town. But 
then it never really comes up again. It, it's just it's kind of like a non-issue. It's a weird contrast to Sunrise, mm -hmm. the who kind of shared the Best Picture award with Wings. It won Best Artistic uh, Feature in that, you know, the city woman in that is a straight-out villain, very mm -hmm. broadly stroke, whereas uh, Sylvia, you know, to the movie's credit, doesn't make her a catty monster or anything, but it doesn't really make anything of her at all. And Jabina Ralston, who played Sylvia, I looked her up, but she was actually a pretty well-known comedian at that time. So I was surprised. Yeah, I saw that. I'm surprised that. they didn't give her more to do. She was also married briefly to Richard Arlen, who played her sweetheart in this. So oh, connections. Oh, okay. So yeah, it's so it's a so the view. lukewarm passion was real. The lukewarm passion was real for a brief amount of time. Uh, so yeah, yeah, there's that, and of course Jack Powell, Mary Preston is old news to him. He doesn't really care. He's into Sylvia, the fancy ethereal city girl, which makes him a natural rival to the man she really loves, who is Richard Arlen's David Armstrong, who is a wealthy, but again, not broad strokes, honorable and just young man. Yeah, he seems really nice. And I don't know, maybe it's just because I'm not in the milieu of what this movie was created in and everything like that. But I actually I actually preferred David. Armstrong from the beginning in the, like okay so he's this rich fancy person we're clearly not supposed to like him that much but he's very indulgent when when Jack Powell Buddy Rogers character just comes up and kidnaps Sylvia basically from their from the swing where they were hanging out <laughs> that's one of my favorite parts they're having this beautiful romantic <laughs> moment and then you just see him pull up in his car run up and literally grab around the waist and like drag her off <laughs> it, it's, it's like you can't even be mad at him because it's just so, like like there, so there's a Harpo Marx quality yes. to it yeah where he just and by the way when we say he drives up in his car this is a car which is pretty much an engine yep. with a seat now <laughs> it is exactly and definitely that. no seat belts it, it's, no. It, it's like a bench with wheels <laughs> bench with wheels that's how you impress them city gals mm -hmm. but you know sylvia i feel kind of bad for because i mean she apparently has no agency in what happens to her no i mean that's yeah she doesn't because she says nothing is and is in a terrible situation when in the when world war one breaks out they get ready to go, and she's preparing a picture of herself to send to David, but Jack just swans in and, based on nothing, decides it was meant for him and that she loves him, and she just stands there the whole time, unsure what to do, which is relatable. Yeah, what what does one do in that situation? I mean, I, I suppose tell the person the truth, but... He's going to go off and maybe die. Do you really want his last memory of you to be a really, really embarrassing one? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I guess, I guess. But and then again, like she tell she explains the situation to David Armstrong, who is her true sweetheart and who's obviously at, at first kind of put off by like his rival getting a, a picture instead of him. But she explains it and he's just totally chill with it. And he's and he was never like infuriated to begin with. He was just kind of sad. I think there's and I don't know how spoilerish we want to get with these. Um, it's 1927. You know, it's 1927. Yeah, spoilers are long gone. I feel like David's character and Jack's character might be symbols in a way of just how the times were changing. And it take you to very romantic view of it. 
ah, the old guard kind of represented Mm. by David and his family. You know, the rich people who kind of inherited the country kind of fading away as a lot of that kind of class system did after World War Mm. I and making way for the kind of more brash. uh, I can see that. I can see kind of, um, I keep wanting to call him Buddy. Uh, it's a perfect name for him. <laughs> I know. Yeah, the, the character of Jack Powell is is Buddy. Um, yeah. But yeah, this little Buddy here, he... I can see him being kind of a Roaring Twenties sort of character in that he's just kind of a real go-getter. He strips down his car completely to the bones yep. and paints a shooting star on it, which is what Mary does. Actually, Mary's the one who paints the shooting star on it. And that's yeah. the name of his airplane later. But... Yeah, I can see that. I can see how how David is kind of like the more subdued old guard, also in a weird way, less less city like. Yeah, just it's less weird. modern, less modern. He mm-hmm. seems he and Sylvia. I mean, look at Clara Bow, look at Jemina Ralston and how they're made up in that movie. Oh, that's true. You know, Clara Bow, she's got the bob. She's got the attitude. And Jabina Ralston has the, you know, the long, flowy kind of Victorian curls, mm-hmm. you know, very mm-hmm. delicately dressed. And it just, you know, it seems like they're just from different time periods because there was that huge transition. So those those are the humans in our story. Um, there's some other ones that come in and out. Like uh, El Brendel as Herman Schwimpf. <laughs> the, uh, he was a comedian. I think he might have been Swedish instead of German. I'll have to verify who was big, apparently, I think more on the stage. I think he tried for a movie career. I actually have seen him in another movie. Oh, really? In 1930, actually. Uh, one of the first big sci-fi movies was a big, dumb, fun musical called Imagine That. It takes place in the magical world of 1980. And I think oh. he plays a guy who was like cryogenically frozen in 1930 and wakes oh, up. Oh, no. And Again, he's not a main character, but he does his shtick hard. And I was about to say, is it exactly the same character? It's exactly the same character. <laughs> and, you know, we got some of the best comedy ever in like the 30s and the 20s. I would not say El Brendel ages well in comparison to like Buster Keaton or the Marx Brothers. No, it wasn't. It wasn't racist, at least, not that I you can know, remember. It's a, I mean, it's a low bar to pass, but yeah, that, at least it wasn't racist. But I mean, that is kind of the bar to pass in the 20s. And it 30s. really is. Yeah, and he doesn't take up that much screen time, really. No, he, he really doesn't. They don't overdo it. No. Uh, they encounter this character when they are all signing up for, I guess, specifically for, for airplane camp. Uh, yeah, that's, I think so. And this, uh, this character is. He has a German name, and so people are giving him guff for for having a German name going into World War One, and he responds to this by tearing off his coat, under which he has a collar shirt with no sleeves. Oh yeah, that's and pretty sh- good. And shows off his American flag tattoo, which he can make wave by flexing his arm. I mean, yeah, it's a and, and then he drops trial and goes and goes into the other room. That's exactly it. There's a lot of drop trow. Apparently, uh, there's a lot of nudity in this film, and most of it was male. Take a take a take a hit, <laughs> modern Hollywood, from the some of the classics. Yeah. So, and let's not forget old Gary. Old Gary makes his a uh, film debut. Gary Cooper as Cadet oh, White. that's right. Two minutes, and I do you agree? He definitely has that star quality. 
he does in a in like in the weirdest way in this this kind of like throwaway uh like you said two minute appearance is kind of like wow that guy's gonna come back a star he really does yeah i mean he just there is just this comfort and ease to it like he's been on film many times before mm-hmm. i mean i like arlen and i like rogers but he totally dwarfs them i think in that just very brief scene and uh maybe it's just knowing that it was gary cooper but i think he really it was a standout you could see why yeah. his career took off after that we've covered he's covered six characters three of them live in plain tummies yep three don't yep uh of course, like the the main story is between uh, Jack, Buddy, Pal, and David Armstrong. They start off there. Just kind of fast forwarding through through the story, they start off in boot camp. They hate each other because they're still rivals for Sylvia. Or more accurately, I think Jack Pal is just kind of a jerk. <laughs> and a little and, class and, resentment. He's obviously not as wealthy. Yeah. So he's he's. I guess kind of resentful and but but he's the instigator, isn't he? He's just kind of a jerk until David punches him. Well, what happens is he he and David get in a fight and Jack actually wins the fight. But David keeps getting back up. And uh, by golly, that means he's a trooper and wins Jack's respect. And then they they're like inseparable best chums. Again, I think hitting every mark that seems kind of cliche now in like a Mm -hmm. war movie. But this is the one that started it all. Like you pointed out, that's the trouble with some of these earlier ones is that it's kind of the issue of like Hamlet being full of quotes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The storyline is they execute it well. They made me care about these characters. Oh, yeah. And I think a great part that's due to really good casting. I mean, I think everyone really acquits themselves very well. I think you mm. could kind of figure out why Clara Bow was called the it girl. She has that star effect. Oh, yeah, she about to say when when you mentioned the people in the right roles, Clara Bow, she plays this go getting it again. I can't keep going to manic <laughs> because that's just like who she and, and Buddy are. And the other two, Sylvia and, and David, seem subdued and depressed only in contrast to yeah. the never stop energy of, of the other two. And it's interesting because Clara Bow actually didn't really like the role of Mary. She thought it was too decorative, which I think is just another example of how like ahead of her time, Clara Bow was. And like a lot of those actresses were already calling things out that we're still arguing about today. You know, I think Clara Bow would have probably liked just have played Mary without simpering for the guy. I'm like, that makes sense. Yeah. Because after a while, why are you so hung up on this guy? Yeah, she she has a little bit of her own story, which I like. Yeah, she drive driving the ambulance around. Was she driving the ambulance or just like supply truck or everything? Probably everything. I don't know how. I can't remember how specific the movie gets. Yeah, but it, she's it just, definitely there doing her thing, and it's yeah. Pretty she cool. she sees an ad saying like, "We need women who can drive, especially Fords." I remember that. Oh line yeah, specifically. yeah, that's right. And. Yeah, so she gets a role to play in the war as well. So she's also kind of the modern, like you said, how I keep calling him buddy. Uh, He's buddy. How, how Jack, little buddy Powell, <laughs> is the modern character. She's also 
part of his world and the modern woman. Yep. She is out there zipping around, dodging the bombs, and, you know, contributing to the war effort. Oh, yeah. So they get to boot camp. They become buddies. There's a whole lot of airplane stuff that happens. Oh, a whole lot. Mary gets the job as a driver. More airplane stuff happens. In France. In France. Lots of great. I mean, I guess most of this was filmed in Texas, actually. So I don't think there was ever. What? I know. Apparently, William Wellman, the director, really like was pissing off the backers because he kept delaying. Like, there aren't any clouds in the sky and it's not going to like look like the planes are actually moving without clouds. So <laughs> they kept having to reschedule, which I thought was great. I I'm glad that they did because you really couldn't wouldn't be able to. Yes, yeah, like they, they just look like a swarm of flies just sitting there without clouds to kind of make it look like they're moving. It would also look like they were only just sitting in the airplane on the ground with like <laughs> a, a blank sheet behind them yes. because because this is not color and there's no sound. No sound except uh, whatever old ladies playing the piano in the Nickelodeon that day. Right. So the big the big airplane thing that happens in the first act is I guess there is a German bomber that's uh, I guess one of the big scary things and it's flying over the or our our boys on the ground. Oh yeah, that's that and was a really exciting skirmish and uh I think um I keep on saying it like Red Baron, like uh, Peanuts, but I don't think that's actually what he was called. Um, but It's a Red Baron type character. Red Baron type character who actually has a little bit of chivalry in him. So in a weird way, it was kind of celebrating the prowess the Germans had, even though they lost and shouldn't have started the war. Just that kind of respect of like, this was well, a good fight because it was between two really talented forces. Yeah, and it kind of, there was this weird romanticism about airplanes and they really did think of pilots as these knights in a certain way. Interesting. And that's how you got the, these legends of like the Red Baron and just they originally would fly past each other and just wave because no one had thought to put guns on airplanes. <laughs> but even then, after they started putting guns on airplanes, it, it is this very you know, you run at each other kind of like knights to begin with. Well, like a very scary jest. Yeah, except for you're, you're in a kite, basically. A kite. That was that was one of the things about the effects and when they showed any airplane going down or burning or anything like that. You don't realize how fragile these things that people They're were flying so around fragile. in were. It's wild. And uh, <laughs> one thing that really struck me was that whenever they took down a plane, they would try to land and cut out the emblem of the enemy plane that they had just taken down, like the, the Iron Cross in the case mm -hmm. of, of the Germans. But they would just like do that with like their keys or a pen knife or something like that. It's just yeah. because the plane skin was, I guess. Glue sticked on. Like Yeah, yeah. It's just kind of like, well, I shot down this guy's kite and it's engulfed in flames. Better run up and cut out this little square of it. Yeah, apparently the one person did die during the filming from a, oh, from an no. accident. Yeah, but uh, it was, I think, a member of the National Guard because they used a lot of those as uh, as stunt flyers. Oh, and sure. um, the army went ahead and took responsibility for that. So Wellman didn't have to. Like, oh, man. Pay a bunch of money. But 
it's tough. I mean, that's I mean, that yeah. shows how fragile they are. Like in this movie, they didn't even have the safety. Guaranteed, oh, yeah, yeah. Guaranteed safety. That's why I'm like, Buddy Rogers, man, you are far braver than I am to just hop into one of those and go, I guess I'll learn on the job. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They take down this German bomber and it was really causing havoc amongst a bunch of people on the ground. So it was very visible. It was seen. Everybody's cheering and Clara Bow just happens to be there. Oh, that's right. Someone points out that it's the shooting star airplane and she knows that because that's what she named Buddy's car. And uh, it's all it's all very nice. They get awards. And that's the end of of 1977 Star Wars sort of (laughs) ending. They get medals. And then uh, act two starts with them celebrating in the city. Oh, the bit, the wonderful Parisian uh, yes. interlude. That's, uh, again, the perils of the city. Yeah, exactly. There's a lot of perils of the city and and loose women and drink. Mm-hmm. And also probably one of the more interesting shots that they did where they take the camera in one of these oh, yeah. large kind of ballroomy type place settings or a big restaurant and just just have the camera go right over a lot of these different tables where people are doing different things just kind of a quick montage of what's going on through that camera movement that was one thing that i really liked yeah and the rest of that scene is uh is buddy kind of getting taken along by this this lady lady of the night but Everyone's getting rounded up because they all need to go back to the front. There's going to be the big push. That's right. And Clara Bow is there in her military uniform, and she's trying to get Buddy to not be drunk and actually get back to report for duty so he doesn't get into trouble. And at some point, some old woman convinces her to like dress up sexy for him instead of her military uniform. Again, a lot of weird tropes that weren't quite tropes yet. Like yeah. the the sexy makeover on the uh, the girl he never noticed before. And yeah. the strange kind of visualization of drunkenness that I don't think quite works. <laughs> <laughs> the whole thing with the bubbles that goes on and on, it's kind of like, oh, you know, at one point, right. uh, you know, Jack, He's he's so obsessed because he sees all these bubbles coming up from the champagne. And it was kind of like a lot of movies these days where just because you can use a special effect doesn't mean you have to. I mean, because there were bubbles of all sizes that they were able to create. And they kind of lean on that gag for a good long time. Yeah, I don't know. Alcohol doesn't really do that in my experience or any experience that I've encountered from someone else well he was probably out of shrooms too but they yeah it's like he doesn't seem so much drunk as completely whacked out (laughs) maybe it was their way to like because people just don't really understand how absinthe works in movies so maybe that was their (laughs) attempt to say look but they couldn't say it i don't know i don't know what goes through the minds of 1920s hollywood producers yeah it was uh definitely conveyed that he was drunk and not in his right mind. And Clara Bow, I mean, it was clearly supposed to be a makeover, but she's Clara Bow, so she 
she's already like smashing anyways. Yeah, she's pretty no matter what she's wearing. But it, it's a weird. It's also kind of a subtle take on uh, the sexism that she faces because she ends up being sent back home because they catch her in the room with Jack. Mm-hmm. Jack is not punished, but she is. She is sent Yeah, home. that's such that's such BS. And it was and it's <sighs> especially heartbreaking because you know, she was doing her best to get him out of trouble. Exactly. And it's sad because it's it's like a good statement on the sexism of it, but there's no real satisfying conclusion to it because then she's just largely absent from the rest of the movie and is just there at the end to skip wildly ahead as Jack's comfort after everything. And we don't get to see her like maybe fighting against it or like the repercussions of coming back kind of in shame from it. So it's like, yeah, we kind of lose, we lose the Mary story. We do. And it's disappointing because it's like, that's a promising thread to follow. But given how much else is going on in the movie, there are a lot of plays. I think they just just decided it wasn't worth pursuing in the same way. Yeah, I kind of I want to see the other movie that's that's the Mary story. Yeah, because she was tough. She was the most memorable character, I think. Yeah, I would I would agree with that. I mean, they're, they were all good. They were they all, were good, all good. They were all well written. I mean, I think Richard Arlen and Buddy Rogers really do convey a deep camaraderie between them that mm-hmm. really sells their friendship so that when they meet up, meet back up again for the big push, the stakes are that much higher when uh, they get in a fight basically about Sylvia and it's the last thing they do before they go off into the sky together. Yeah. Again, I always have to review their names. Yeah. It's not one where the names really stick out. No, they're all so generic. Uh, (laughs) Dave Armstrong, buddy, Jack Powell, (laughs) buddy, Jack Powell. Uh, I believe it what happens is David Armstrong gets a letter from Sylvia. And of course, obviously, he's been getting letters and one of them just kind of reveals that, you know, oh, poor Jack. I know he like still has his heart set on me, but he's you're you're the one that I want. And I guess Jack just can't deal. I think that actually comes a little later. I think what it is is he's showing off the picture that he basically stole from. Oh, right. And he's gonna, and he actually, it's in a locket, and he suddenly realizes, oh, I could open this up. And uh, David realizes, oh, he's gonna find out that that's written to me. And so, oh, that's right. Reacts very badly, I think. There was a better way to do this. And like, I think he just tore up the picture. And I think that's what sets Jack off. And well, then they, who who among us hasn't had a panic attack and, panic tar- attack, and torn up a a picture of someone's sweetheart? You know, <laughs> I've done it. You've done it. Move on, Jack. That really highlights again how David, his character is so much more noble. Yeah. Than than buddies. I mean, even if he probably could have done that differently, he was willing to be the, the bad, bad guy. guy. Yeah. yeah. He was willing to fall on that sword to spare his friend's feelings. I know. And it's about a woman that he himself loves. So that takes an extra level of friendship that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it makes what what happens next very hard to take. And I think it's deeply emotional. And yeah, for all the airplane stuff that happens. um, The next part. Really. I don't know. It it did get to me and it was more mm-hmm. effective than I would have assumed if you just kind of just 
told me the yeah. story. Yeah. Like we are right now. <laughs> it's about Buddy and David's airplanes. David's airplane gets shot down, which is very sad. We're, we we missed that plane. <laughs> it was a great plane. It was a great plane. And the human in it had promise. <laughs> and they, Exactly. It's basically a tragedy of misunderstanding that follows uh, with Jack thinking his friend is dead, going into berserker mode mm-hmm. and flying into and basically shooting up everyone. And again, I think it could be a bit of social commentary on the part of the director that this kind of mindless violence, even if you think you're in the right, it will end up just maybe hurting the wrong people. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, he he really does this go on a rampage and he's. I guess in a weird way, everyone's kind of cheering it as it's happening. Uh, You know, he's just doing all this crazy stuff and taking out German front lines and everything front like all over the place. And he basically sees every single German plane as, you know, the person who. Who shot down his buddy. Yeah, who shot down his buddy. And unbeknownst to him. David's being a bad He survived. Yeah, David is like truly being a bad person. (laughs) Sneaking behind enemy lines, crawling through swamps, stealing a plane. Yeah, the stealing the plane part is pretty darn cool. It's pretty great. You you just see him and, you know, obviously it's a movie. Obviously he's going to pull it off and get away with it, but you can't. You can't help yourself but kind of inwardly cheering yep. as as this guy just hilariously jumps into these ridiculous kite canoes that they fly in <laughs> and and zips off while there are people literally running after him and are only a little bit slower than one of these planes. Yes, exactly. And it just makes you wonder how many times in history this kind of almost comical stuff happens where like in the chaos of war. What's going on with that plane over there? Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it doesn't happen anymore that the people can like run on their two legs and start to catch up with the plane. (laughs) Yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot easier to do that kind of thing, I think, than it was back then. But he pulls it off. But there is still Shakespearean level tragedy afoot. Yeah, he's flying around in the German plane. And of course, Jack is after all German planes. He doesn't see he doesn't do the chivalrous thing that we talked about earlier right. where uh, the Red Baron, basically, that character sees that he's disabled one of the American planes and instead of just shooting it down and killing the person inside of it, he just kind of flies by waves and then goes off. Jack does not J- do that. Jack and- does not do that. Even though, first of all, this plane is not shooting at him. And also his friend is wildly waving waving. his arms to get his attention. And of course, the tragedy is that he shoots down his friend and it's it is him who shoots down his friend. He's really gleeful about it, too. He does the thing where he lands and takes out his keys and scratches out the uh, scratch out. I mean, he cuts out the entire tail fin of the plane. Oh, that's right. Yeah. And it, again, I think it's this could you could argue that this movie is an anti-war film. Um, oh, yeah. I I mean, I think it's presented in a really patriotic way. So mm-hmm. it, it's kind of easy to, and you know, it's showcasing 
the grandeur of flying, but it doesn't take much beneath the polish to find that there is like chivalry is good. And uh, if you get too lost in the violence and the horror of this, it's going to end badly for you and everyone you care about. Yeah, even even when they're gung ho about going to war. I I seem to remember that Buddy's character, it's not so much, oh boy, I get to go out and kill Germans. It's I get to go fly a plane. Yeah, I mean, that's that's really it. I mean, the first thing we learn about him in the movie is that he always wanted to be in the sky. He always wanted to fly. Yeah, it's not like I always wanted to kill people. No, no. I mean, but, you know, how many of us would turn into Jacks in that situation where we're just too overwhelmed by what we see and are too enraged and we have this ability to get into this mm-hmm. magical canoe flying machine that can kill all those bad uh, bad Germans. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. And actually going back to him taking the the cross off of the airplane with his pen knife as a trophy, I th- and he's just like really happy and gleeful about it. And I think the taking of the trophy really hammers that that ugliness home that it's like you just even though he doesn't know he he killed his friend he killed a person and he's like gleefully tearing off a it's not literally like taking an ear from your enemy or something like that but, but it's definitely metaphorical so yeah, it's, exactly. it's implied that they're all so spiritually connected really to these planes right right and so that's kind of the sad ending in addition to not being able to save his friend who does crawl out from the wreckage. Uh, he's briefly alive, I think, right? Or yeah, he- no, he is. And they share a beautiful, long, homoerotic uh, kiss goodbye. And, oh, yeah, that's right. and David forgives, forgives Jack. But can Jack forgive himself? Yeah, that's right. That's right. And there's a moment where you kind of wonder, okay, are they going to let him live somehow because he is a little bit alive. Will he pull through? They do a really good job at kind of pulling at your heartstrings a little bit, giving you hope. But in the end, no. And I think that was the wise choice, probably. Mm -hmm. Um, You made the correct choice because otherwise, you know, nothing has consequences. Okay, it's (laughs) fine. I did what I did. Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah. And to pile on the consequences, he also then has to go face David's parents. And what's it? Yeah. Again, my heartstrings were pulled way <laughs> earlier in the film when David actually says goodbye to his parents. And cause oh, it's a very yeah. touching scene of the mom at first, just kind of like rattling off all the things he needs to be careful about. And right. then both she and his dad's kind of eventually sort of just break down. And it's like, they all kind of know somehow that this is probably the last time they'll see their boy. And it is. And we end with them, really. And right. I think Jack oh, feels... They, they really twist the knife, too, by having her give him his childhood teddy oh, bear. Oh, God, the teddy bear. I blocked that out through trauma. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he has this wee little teddy bear that he carries him carries with him as kind of like the good luck charm that he brings into the airplane with him. And uh, Jack Powell has the very sad, gut-wrenching duty of returning the little bear. And his parents know what happened. And, you know, at first they receive him just very coldly. But then eventually, 
you know, there is a big theme, I think, of forgiveness of this realization that this was an impossible situation. World War War in general, but World War One specifically in this case, is always just a hopeless endeavor. Mm-hmm. And uh you know, you could be doing the right thing with all your heart, but then the wrong thing happens. And I think that's kind of the realization. And all you can really do is just accept and move on. Yeah. So anyway, that's the whole movie. Let's talk about rating it. Okay, let's do it. Let's do it. Okay, so we have our four major categories, acting, writing, cinematography, and overall, how all those things come together. And we're going to rate these one through 10. And okay. I just realized I need something to write down our scores with. Oh, no. So do I. Da, da, da. Oh, there see. we go. Here's a pen. There's a pen. We could pass it back and forth. This is a professional podcast. <laughs> By professionals. Actually, if you want to just write down the things, then it's okay. fine. We're not doing secret votes. All right. Sounds good. All right. <laughs> so what's our first here? Acting. Acting. Actors. Again, like I said, I thought they were great. I mean, I think I'm going to take off a point because of El Brendel. So, <laughs> Poor El Brendel. Yes. Hey, it, it slew it on vaudeville. You know, it slew it. I mean, maybe it just and, had and to be he, there. And by gum, his trousers fell down. His trousers fell down and the world cried. I'm giving the acting a nine. Nine. Wow. Oh, gosh. Um... I want to just give it an eight just because it was very good, but I also want room for for other for other movies. (laughs) But the thing is, it was all great. And also they had they had to work with what they had. I mean, the pressures of filming with those planes. That's true. I guess I'll I'll take a point. I'll say the points are for sadly L. Brendel. Sorry. And. And for the drunk acting. Oh, Yeah. Yeah, that yeah, maybe. So do you want to do eight? I want to do eight. Okay. All right. So next up we have writing. How is the story? I think they could have done a better job of maybe doing a more equal distribution between plane scenes and... Uh, Hang on, we have some water. We have some water going. going. My train of thought is going with the water. Uh, between plane scenes and little tiny human scenes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, I thought that the pace could have been better. I feel like it did not need to be as long as it was. Yeah, that is absolutely right. And that's a problem that a lot of modern movies have. Mm-hmm. Like, like a lot of the Marvel superhero movies. I mean, I've, I'm unfairly biased against that kind of thing because I just get bored by action movies like by long (laughs) drawn out action sequences i feel like birds of prey which i saw recently did it really well they can be super effective and fun if they're like in short bursts i think too prolonged and you lose the story you lose the momentum and especially with something like the marvel movies if people can do these inhuman stunts and go through these inhuman like trials and emerge just fine there are no stakes I will say that there were lots of stakes with this because, again, they were yeah. in flying matchboxes. Um, so I've got to give it, I think I'm going to be pretty ungenerous and give it a six. I would agree with that. I think six is what I was leaning towards as well. It's it's 
probably better than average. And also you this was clearly a movie to showcase what they could do with airplanes. Yes. And given given that heaviness, uh, I think they did a decent job at least making us care about these characters at least a little bit. And also, like like we've talked about, there are some good anti or more as complicated sort of messages. I mean, again, I wish they had pursued things a little more with a little more depth, like Mary's storyline and and maybe give Sylvia an actual character besides just kind of sweet and standing there. Like she feels she, I'll say it's a, it's a good point for the acting because she conveys that nothing as just being really put upon, which fits the situation which perfectly. Does. Yeah, I mean, it's like, uh, okay, yeah. Okay, I guess I guess you just stole this thing I was trying to give my boyfriend, whom I might never see again, again. and who, in fact, I never do see again. Uh, oh. Tragedy. Okay, so writing, we're giving a six, both of us. Yeah. A cinematography. I'm gonna give it a ten. Are you? Yeah, I am. I mean, not only the planes, but I think that's the special effects that were used, like the title sequence and everything, I think was just phenomenal for uh, its time and for now, even, I think, especially because now we have so much more at our disposal for like protection and security. Oh, up yeah, there. that's a good point. That's a good point. Plus, we have CGI um, now. They did not. That's true. There was also that really good scene where they floated the camera over those tables and the yeah gosh i wonder how they rigged that up i know i mean because yeah it's like that's that wasn't like a usual shot at that time it is now but i wonder if it was some kind of continuous take thing but i don't think that was really invented until um i think it was citizen kane where Orson Welles kind of did that through the mirror um, or through the window. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, like if it leaves you going, how did they do that? I feel like that's a good sign of like losing yeah. magic. I am going to. I'm going to give it a nine. Nine. You, you've, you've convinced me up from an eight. All right. I'll, I'll take one point off for like the goofy looking uh, fires that they did from the shooting uh, guns. Oh, yeah. That were differently colored. (laughs) (laughs) You don't know what it was like up there, man. The fire turned different colors. No, uh, yeah, and the cinematography was, it was pretty cool for, especially given the era, and this was the first time anyone said like, hey, let's film an airplane movie from airplanes. From airplanes, actual airplanes. Pretty cool. All right. See what's oh and overall, how did all this stuff mesh together? <laughs> Keeping in mind that you could go higher than any of these scores or lower than any these of these scores. scores. Um, it's all super subjective. I mean, ironically, this was like the last movie really we watched of the of the year. Yeah. And I have to say, there were ones in that group that I liked better than wings um, mm-hmm. that I found more enjoyable. So, I mean, I don't know. I'm trying to put myself in the audience as a 1920s audience goer. I think I definitely would have been just overwhelmed by it all and, and loved it. So I think it has that deep, you know, historical impact of like, wow, 
what is this? This is some crazy spectacle with true heart in there. Right. But at the same time, can we speculate though about how people felt about that or I mean, it did win best picture. That's um, true. Yeah. And I think it was very big hit. Um William Wellman went on to be a very popular in-demand director. It gave uh Gary Cooper his start. Mm-hmm. Um and I think did open new doors dramatically for Clara Bow because I think right. until then she'd been mostly, you know, the you know, the good time comedic gal. And I think this really helped showcase that she could really act. Oh yeah. And um so yeah, I would say that it has probably, you know, and I think it, it did lay out the formula that Oscar movies have gone back to again and again and again. This is true. And um, so I think it's definitely wins points for like its influence and its impact. But I frankly just did not find it as effective as, you know, spoilers, my favorite movie of the bunch. We saw uh, Seventh Heaven, mm-hmm. which uh, I found a lot more effective. So I think I'm going to give overall a seven. That's what I was going to go with as well. Very good. A good, a good C. A good C. You know, that it was, was above average. You know, that was the best I could hope for in math and the best that wings can expect from us. That'll be the tagline. <gasps> okay, now we're going to go to the b- 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 bonus round. Burr, 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 burr. That was the little bullhorn sound. <laughs> you can edit that in later. Bonus rounds, costumes and sets. Uh, on point. Yeah. Um, they weren't terribly elaborate. Uh, no. I mean, I'm assuming by 1927, if you wanted a World War One uniform, you would just ask someone who had been in World War One and got it. It was not that long before. Yeah. <laughs> um. They had the jazzy dresses. They did. Um. And the weird pre-Raphaelite things that, uh, <laughs> that what's her name, that Sylvia wore. Oh, yeah. I mean, again, everything was really good for the characters, but, you know, most of it was like doughboy kind of outfits, which mm-hmm. makes sense. So, I mean, again, nothing really truly stood out. I mean, the sets, though, of turning Texas into, like, France and... That's true. Uh, and everything. I think setting is higher than costume here. I think I'm going to go once again with good old average Joe seven. Oh, we're doing a bonus one through five. Oh, one through five. Never How many mind. bonus points do they get? How many bonus points? How much extra credit? I'll say two. Oh, I'll say one. Okay. They're kind of cheating with like the sky being a lot of their set. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty cheap. <laughs> but to be fair, like you said, they did they did wait for there to be clouds and everything like that. That's... Clouds in Texas. Uh okay. So we're giving them a few bonus points for costumes and set. Now, boldness. How Oscar-y is it? Oh, it is very, very, very Oscar-y. So I guess that's kind of like negative boldness points in a way. Yeah. I will give them a point for boldness for actually having David die. Yeah. And teasing us about it. 
And yeah, sneaking in some important messages, you know, Jack, we're all set up to think of as the all-American boy hero. And then that happens. Yeah, and, and, we and then he's confront- a savage. Yeah, yeah. Then we have to confront that the most heroic person can be revealed to have this hidden side when put in these dark circumstances. It's got a very patriotic feel overall, but this mm-hmm. kind of universal... Like, you are not immune to what the war can do to a person's psyche. So, yeah, I think I'm going to give it a one, two for boldness. Yeah. I'm gonna, actually, you've convinced me up to a two. Oh, all right. I'm give him a couple of points for the anti-war stuff and for actually having David die. Yeah, yeah. And despite all of that, it is still very Oscar-y. Very like Oscar-y. Say. It just feels so much like a silent movie version of, like... Saving Private Ryan. Saving Private Ryan or... I mean, I know it was no Oscar contender, but Pearl Harbor was the one that comes to mind. Uh, oh, sure. Yeah. You know, that that kind of movie. It just it felt a little just very formulaic, but not in a bad way. But just they, they pulled a, off the formula. Well, they did pull off the formula. And well they also and kind very, of invented the formula. They did invent the formula. So. Good on them. So, yep. All right. That's it for boldness. Uh, longevity. Okay, how, we discussed that a little bit. Yeah, how did it hold up? Um, that's interesting because I think I'm gonna score like pretty high on this one just because it so? did have such influence. I mean, it's not talked of, of course, in the same way as like Intolerance from like the Silent Era or even some of the war movies like. All Quiet on the Western Front from the 30s mm-hmm. um, because I think it was such a huge spectacle, but it did pave the way for like the Saving Private Ryans. So, well, and I, remember, we also have we also have a legacy. legacy. Oh, man. Those, okay. are, those are two that, again, these categories are not super well hammered out. Let's see then. Okay. Forget everything I just said. Wait for legacy. So, okay, so... For me, longevity, I guess, is does it hold up? And mm. this is also going to I just realized, how are you going to talk about legacy or longevity when it's like 2010 or something like that? <laughs> but anyways, I guess we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. Um, Longevity. I think. Like if it were to play today. As it is, I think it's. Probably a little too long for most people's tastes. I think mm-hmm. uh, we have become so addict- enamored of like the Marvel kind of action movie that we would be, most audiences would be kind of find the uh, action scene sort of static um, because it's. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, you know, there's not a lot of twirling around and uh, acrobatics. It's just, it's a more realistic take that's still very breathtaking. But because there's so much of it, I think it would eventually, they could have used a more sort of tighter editing, basically. So I think that would hurt it for longevity a little bit. What what points would you award it? Because I would award it almost for the same reasons that I'm surprised that it held that it holds up as well as it did. Yeah. And I guess that must that must be because it's a practical effect. Like they were literally out, yeah. out, out there zipping around in planes. Uh and I think the story is yeah, it's a little 
hokey and and tired now. Um, and World War One was immediate to the audience, but it's not to us. That's true. So you you do lose that kind of immediacy. Um, obviously, people who are in Iraq right now or Afghanistan will would probably see a lot of kinship to it. Mm-hmm. But um, I think I'm going to give it a two. Yeah, yeah, I would agree with that. I would give it a couple of points for it holds up decently well. It's just like you said, I think maybe the effects were not enough of a wow in this modern day no. to, to hold up. Which is unfortunate because I like it better than your average action scene <laughs> these days because average action scenes these days just consist of things animated that, on a computer and that you can't really see happening. Whereas right. that is something people did and died from. Yeah, quite literally in this, in the shooting of this film. In the shooting of this film. I love it. IMDb phrased it as only one person died. I'm like, that's still too many people to die for the making yes. of a movie, IMDb. <laughs> <laughs> yes. The, that's the official stance of Come Back a Star. <laughs> one death the, the, is too many for the making of a movie. One death is too many. The number of people who should die in the production of your movie should be zero. If you're suffering that much for your art that you die, you're doing your art wrong. I was just putting that out there. Okay, now let's talk about legacy. And I legacy. think here it's when, where it's going to Now you're going to edit big. in the stuff I said about longevity. Okay. <laughs> um, no, I think this is going to get probably the highest score on bonus round for me. Just I think because it was the first and I think it kind of set the standard. Right. Um, and a lot of people, I feel like, don't mention it much these days outside of the context of it being the first uh, best picture winner. But, um, you know, it's influence is there. It's influence is there. Um, it made can, a star out of Gary Cooper. It made a star director out of William Wellman. And you can really see how it influenced pretty much every war movie or at yes. least a lot of them. Yeah, after it this. really did a way to like, I think more war movies should follow its example, actually, of like containing equal amounts of, you know, the bonhomie of it, the, uh, you know, the fact that if you're in this situation, it brings out the best and worst of humanity. Right. While also just, it's also a freaking horror show. Yeah. Yeah. Um, especially World War One. So yes. I'm going to give it a four. A four. What do you, what do you say? What do you think about its legacy? I would give it a four as well. Uh, like, I think it really is what you said was very true in that it, it's almost, it almost feels like the template for Oscar bait. Yeah. Yeah. Which, so its legacy has had good and bad ramifications since there's nothing that makes me angrier than an old Oscar Beatty movie. All right. So let's, let's tally up the score for a nice, even 80. 80. Good job. 80 points. 80. That's that's a that is a solid B, Wings. <laughs> Wings. You are a B movie. Oh. <laughs> we should probably at some point tally up how much everything is. <laughs> See, it's 80 out of I don't know. It's out of 140. Oh wow. So now yeah, it's it did not get the greatest score of the world then. But still, I mean Check it I, out I at doubt. your uh, local blockbuster. <laughs> it's still recommended. 
find a blockbuster, open it up with your with your keykeeper's key. <laughs> but um, uh, let's see. Can I babble on about some trivia I found? Yes, absolutely. Okay, William Wellman, the director. He was thirty years old. He had been what? he had been an ace pilot during World War One and went to uh, France. And when he heard that some they were trying to make this movie, he basically just how he got into Hollywood was that he was um, he was playing like like street hockey or something in California. Oh and this guy came by and was like, oh, you're good at this. I'm Douglas Fairbanks. You should come to Hollywood. <laughs> and he's like, OK. And what he did uh. was. How come that never happens now? I know. Where are our Douglas Fairbankses standing behind our shoulders, huh? So he went, you know, Willie Mom was like, yeah, I probably should. So he got hopped into his own little plane and landed in Douglas Fairbanks's backyard. And <laughs> and basically, apparently, he was quite the personality, quite the way with the ladies. Uh, he was very handsome. He got to start acting in shorts and just was like that. He was like kind of called in to be like, Oh, could you help out with this and this and this in the background? He's like, oh yeah, sure. Then he kind of works his way up to assistant director, technical director, and then like, yeah, I'm gonna direct a movie about these planes. I'm the I'm the person to do this. He's literally like, look, I am the person to do this. I flew those planes. Just give me the movie. And they're like, ah, oh, okay. Sure, kid. You look like you have a face. <laughs> <clears throat> Make a picture for us. So yeah, and uh one of the reasons why it was such a hit was that it was coming not long after a certain transatlantic flight made by one Charles Lindbergh. So planes were definitely oh. on the brain. And um, and would it be for a while? It would be for a while. I mean, you know, we take planes for granted now because we were all born with airplanes. But back then, it's like... back To just the backtrack to the movie for a moment, one thing that that I noticed was how Jack was this plane nerd and you contrast him with like the plane nerds of today who can tell you like about these different models and their speeds and the different armaments they can carry maybe or just how they're made and in my industry how much titanium is in one of them. Back then it was kind of like I love planes. They fly. Yeah, because that's so, all it And takes. sometimes they stay in the air. Sometimes they do and sometimes they do not. <laughs> One of those days, I'm going to go up in one of those things. And again, and, yeah. And maybe it'll come back down. Maybe it'll come back down. And I feel like in a less original movie, that just would have been his character arc. Like, yeah, I get to fly. Whereas, you know, they really did the hard work to say, yeah, you did it a little too well and a little too brutally. And <laughs> I got to live with that. Um, but yeah, uh, so William Wellman went on to have very successful career. He directed in his later career a lot of John Wayne pictures. Um, Already? Yeah. Gary Cooper, of course, got his start after this. And Clara Bow, I think, was taken a little more seriously, although pretty soon her career kind of tapered off anyways because of talkies. And uh -oh. she, she did have just a very pronounced Bronx accent. And, and I mean, it was cute and it was fun. I've seen clips. But I think Hollywood just figured that meant there was just a slimmer variety of roles she could play with that accent. So, boo, boo, earns. And so, yeah, like I said, Jabina Ralston was actually a well-known comedian back then, which surprises me uh, because you don't see much comedy in Sylvia. And uh, no. unless that was the comedy, the fact that she was just so 
tired. So tired. Oh, that's relatable. Never mind. It's Sylvia. This is what I relate to. That's what. That's what her character was. It was just tired. Yeah, and again, I think it could be symbolic of the kind of waning of the old guard, just Mm -hmm. kind of submitting to a sort of exhaustion of realizing that your time is running out as Mm. um, and money was never a problem in this country again. Oh, yeah, that's good. The uh, film after a while kind of ran over budget. So what Wellman did was he went to the war department and kind of built it up as this great recruiting tool. And so towards the end, (laughs) a lot of their backing came directly from the war department. So, yeah. Okay. I think, you know, it's it's funny, you know, William Wellman was only 30. You know, the cast was all pretty young. This is it felt like a very youthful movie. That is my take. Yeah. It was a good look at like we think of silent movies as being very kind of old fashioned and just very removed from us. But it felt very alive in a way. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It really, really comes across. Yeah, I was. Definitely buy that. So did the war department actually watch the movie or? <laughs> I think they might have kept the ending a secret, but. <laughs> say there, kid, you want to go into a big flying kite? Want to kill your best friend? <laughs> Don't worry. It only catches fire when it's windy. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think at the end of the day, it's just sobering to realize you go up in one of those things. The big. By by and large, you were going to die. You weren't going to get out of that thing. Oh, yeah. They, they called them flying coffins. Flying coffins. And I think that, you know, that really was an early example of art showcasing how for <laughs> some people, that's not going to get them down. That's just going to make them want to go up even more. I guess so. Yeah. One noble tear. Well, Stanford. I know. So sad. So is that the, the trivia? Yeah, basically, um, Buddy Rogers married uh, Mary Pickford, and uh, he was like 11 years younger, but they stayed married until her death. And apparently there is a rumor that uh, they shared a honeymoon suite with actors Jeanette McDonald and Jean Raymond. And apparently uh, uh, McDonald and Bo were hanging out once, went back to their suite and saw, as IMDb put it, that uh, uh, their husbands were initiating their own honeymoon activities Uh so scandal so yeah let's end this all on a really cheap tawdry no because this is hollywood (laughs) baby this is hollywood i don't care what the era is we have to determine whether it 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 receives our award oh does it receive our award yeah yeah let's see agreement yay or nay i'm gonna say yay you're gonna say yay i'm gonna say yay I'm going to say yay as well. I, I feel like Wings does move the That Movie Award. It does. It does. Or the Notsker or whatever you know, we came up with. It wins all the Notskers. I think it, again, there were contenders I liked better, so I don't know if it should have won Best Picture, but it definitely won a That Movie Award for me. I mean, yeah. it's it's memorable and it's, you know, there are parts that I think do stay with you. Um, I think if they had fixed a lot of the pacing and given more time for the human portion to develop, I mean, I think it really would have been something 
incredible. If those humans had more time in the little little airplane womb. In the little airplane womb, if they were allowed to like burst from that tin chrysalis. to A fully developed character. Fully developed characters. Um, so it was great. It just wasn't like incredible to me. But it was movie award worthy. I would agree. I would agree. All right. So a okay. yay to Wings. Yeah, so that concludes our first actual movie review. Woo! Wings, congratulations. You win the That Movie, movie Award. Award. Woo! Ba, 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 ba. Again, bullhorn. That kind of sounded like Beethoven. Accidentally. <laughs> I wonder if I could pull that off with bullhorns. Probably. I'm, I'm sure there's a synthesizer that can do that. I mean, it is now your moral obligation to at least look into it. So... <laughs> Oh, so what, 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 let's see, are we going to discuss maybe what movie we're going to look at next time? Or do you want to like maybe think about that a bit more? Like, Yeah, let's say um, we are doing this maybe a little bit backwards. Maybe we should have gone with the nominees, but that's okay. Um, let's get the biggie out of the way. That yeah, yeah, guys, yeah, you know? yeah. Do you want to maybe look at the one it basically shared the award with? Yeah, that'd be a good idea. And that was, that was Sunrise. Sunrise. Yeah. Very different movie. A very different movie, and we'll talk about that weird historical one-year-only time when there were two Best Picture Oscars. Yeah, they hadn't quite hammered out the formula yet for it. Yeah, eventually they decided with the Wings formula. Yes, for just all across the board. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I guess we're going to be signing off. I am Jason. I'm Laura. And this has been Come Back like a, a Star. A movie award party. A movie award party, y'all. Wigs. Go to Blockbuster. Find a coffee.